So full energy from bed right here Cause they're my enemies Subscribe and like, rate and review Your host of the day B, couple guess too We're gonna win the trophy, we're overdue Can we do the double, make it deja vu It's a move, London the ting, girl, but it's only on the wing Harry's one of our own nine and in It's only got money, but let's see the king And we got Delhi Ali that's talking We're the show side, we're the show side We're the show side, what we sing We're the show side, we're the show side Now it's a new London thing Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Shelfside Podcast, episode 14. Welcome all our regular listeners. Welcome back. Thank you. And welcome to all of our new listeners and those that drop in and out and listen to the occasional podcast. Welcome to you. Good evening, Kwabna. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. You know, season comes to an end. Time to reflect. In, indeed, indeed, and there's a lot to get through um, in what it has been one of the most interesting seasons on record. will go down as one of the strangest seasons of all time, probably the strangest season of all time, without a doubt. Uh, so we'll get into it all. There's so much to talk about. But I think firstly, we need to talk about Jan Bert Liev or Levy Vertonghen who has left the club and I feel like he is a part of the furniture in a good way, a uh, stalwart and somebody of impeccable, um, impeccable even character. How do you feel about Jan Vertonghen? I mean, for me, Jan Vertonghen has been the second best defender I've seen at the club. He was, yeah, yeah, he was a shining light when things were difficult, when things were tough under AVB. We were constantly reminded of his potential, of his capabilities, and then when things were great under Pochettino, he was a he was a colossus, and he did what was necessary for the club when he needed to play left back. He did it when he needed to play left wing back. He did it when he played centre back. He shone like in a two. He excelled in a three, and. He was he always showed love for the club, man. Like Vertong could have gone to Barcelona at one point when things weren't that difficult, at, were quite difficult at Tottenham. There were numerous times where he he could have gone off and done something else, and he's he's just always shown great love to the fans and professionalism, man. I just I think it's such a terrible thing that we won't be able to give him a proper send off. Like the fact that yeah, he, it was sad. Yeah, it's sad that he played eight years and not ten, so he couldn't get a testimonial. It's sad that he left when in a time where the fans couldn't sing his name. But Yang Vertonghen is a player that I'm never going to forget. So yeah, uh, I echo all of that. I mean, even the other day, I just I think it was yesterday or was it today? I said to my son, "We can't sing that song anymore." Because like every day, we just go through the Tottenham songs to get the little one involved. And we can't sing Yan Yan, Yan 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 Yan, Yan 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 Yan, Yan 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 Vertonghen, Toby. He's going to sing Toby by himself. So that in itself is going to be a bit weird. I mean, Yan was a Rolls Royce of a defender, right? We we say this on the show. We've said it before and we'll say it again. He was a Rolls Royce of a defender. He actually came in to replace the best defender we've ever had, who was also a left-sided centre-half, who was also very good on the ball. So the scouting there was impeccable. The the continuation of a quality left-sided centre-half. And not only was he a great footballer, he was a great person, he was a great leader, he was funny by all accounts, his dry sense of humour, and he embodied the quality of what Ajax produced in their academy of a total footballer. And some of the Spurs players actually said he was the most skillful player at the club on occasions when they were interviewed. So a lot of time for Jan Vertonghen. I think he's excellent on and off the pitch, true leader, and we'll be sad to see him go. And like you say, unfortunate timing. Uh, fans couldn't sing his name. He didn't even get onto the pitch on Sunday. Uh, but Jan, if you're listening, and I know you are, after, you, after you've retired, there's a place for you at Tottenham Hotspurs. You know this already, but we're just reinforcing it. Um, the Shelfside podcast, 
Quabna knows people in high places. Yeah. <laughs> hey, and if you want, if you want to come on the pod at any time, let us know. Indeed, indeed. So he wasn't the only one that left. Uh, Michael Vaughan left. Uh, doesn't leave with the same fanfare. Um, obviously, second spot at the club had a little bit of a break. Uh, but thank you, Vaughan, for your service. Um, yeah, I, not so many memorable moments. Obviously, we had a strong number one in Loris. So thank you and um, good luck in the future. Um, yes. I guess we should talk about a massive appointment. Massive. This is a clever appointment. Like I think it's clever in so many ways, right? The cynic in me says it's a BLM appointment, but I'm like, no. The guy's a legend. The guy homegrown. The guy was quality. The guy is actually coming in. This is ironic. We mentioned Vertonghen. This guy is coming in when Vertonghen leaves, and Vertonghen came in when he retired. So the continuation, the parallels, still there. So Ledley King. You did mean Ledley King, right? Oh, no, I was talking about... Yes, of course I was talking about Ledley King. <laughs> I mean, King. I think it's a massive thing because it shows... It shows the idea that we understand what it is to be a Tottenham... A part of what the Tottenham DNA means. Like, I've heard so much about having Cruyff DNA. I've heard so much about having Ajax DNA. I've heard so much about having Barca DNA. Like, people who have a real identity... And we always talk about how Tottenham have always had a history of playing great football. But actually identifying that and seeing how it comes forth in the club hasn't always happened. Like, Glenn Hoddle coming to Manny, um, coming, um, um, having any kind of like influence in the, in the setup, people like Tim Sherwood, like, it's kind of come and gone, but not really. Instilled, and I think the great thing about Lily Shiver doesn't count to me. He doesn't. Count. I mean, and, I, and that's fair. I completely accept that. But what I will say is that it's it's an example of how Lily King always knew how to play football. He's like he was a fantastic defender, but he was a ball playing defender. And actually, if he had not got the injuries that he had, he probably might have stayed at Tottenham the whole time, and he would have gone down as one of the greatest um, centre backs in the history of. Of the game. game, of the game, so, game. period, the game, period. And encouraging to me that he knows how to play football, so it's kind of like a good, a dovetail to Mourinho. I think he's going to make sure that the identity of hopefully he can make sure the identity of Tottenham comes across in the way we play. And he's already done a lot to shore up our defence. Like since he started working with um, with our defenders, our goals conceded have dropped to 0.78. When before he started working with them, it was like 1.4 something. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Those stats in that small amount of time, I mean, it's a small sample size, and I don't think anyone should get carried away. But I am, for one, thrilled to have someone who's always dedicated himself to the club, always spoken really highly about the club, knows how to defend, but also knows how to play football. So, and I also don't think he's going to shy away from making his opinions known to Mourinho, which I think is good. I think, I think Mourinho will respect that. Yeah. Yeah. You're dealing with a legend. You're dealing with a club legend. Mourinho is not stupid, and this is why I say it was clever, because you've got somebody on board who is Tottenham through and through. He has never left the club. Since he retired, he got a position at the club, right? So this is, it's early doors, but I'm hoping and expecting like a Kenny Daglish-style kind of position for him in years to come and who embodies the club who takes the club everywhere he goes he's already been an ambassador for the club he'll be coach and hopefully future manager that's really where I hope this goes to but in the short term like you say shores up the defence hopefully we know already he made Michael Dawson a better player he made Michael Dawson an England international by playing alongside him so if he can do that with Michael Dawson, I'm sure he can help the defenders we've got down there. And one of those defenders we've got down there, people have mentioned him in the same breath as Ledley King. And only because he came through the ranks, uh, he's got some physical presence, he seems cool, calm and collected and unfazed. And he made his debut against Liverpool, um, Jafet Tanganga. So if he can make him half the player he was then we've got a good defender for years to come. Um, because he signed his new deal, after all, as well. He signed that deal. We don't know how much he's got, but Tanganga has signed up. So that's Daya and Tanganga signed up for four years to come. 
I think it's a, I think it's good um, to have Tanganga. His, versati- his versatility has been a massive plus. His pace, his composure, and also his warrior-like defending, at times willing to just put his head where other people are scared to put their feet, is very encouraging for me. I think it's good to... I, we're, always, we're always happy when, when the youth come through. We're just like that as, um, as a fan base. We like to see young ones who have grown up in a club and understand what it means to wear the shirt. So, yeah, there's a massive debate about whether he should sign, etc. I think ultimately it was the right decision, and I'm really happy we got it done. Yeah, so far the only deal we've got done, um, Tanganga and Ledley, uh, I think it's 10 weeks of a pre-season or 10 weeks before the start of the new season. But the window closes later than the season. I think it's October, is it? Like October the 3rd or something? I can't remember the date. So, so it's a longer time. So Spurs being Spurs, we may not get deals done uh, early. But we all watch this space, and I'm sure we'll touch on that a bit later. But immediately, as you mentioned at the start of the pod, the season is over. Uh, the restart has stopped. Uh, it stopped with our game against Crystal Palace today in line with all the other games. We needed to better Wolves' result. And of course, Wolves lost 2-0. And we only managed a draw away to Palace, who hadn't won in like eight games, I think, and only scored four goals and haven't scored more than one goal in any game this season, which is a remarkable stat. Uh, Yeah, but we managed to draw. It was a bit dire, to say the least. Dead game. Dead, dead game. Um, I think that Mourinho also, he knew that the score, what the Chelsea score was, he was very... At half time. Yeah, and he was very, he was very like open about, like we know what the, we know what the score is. Let's just go get it, um, get it done, take care of it and keep it moving. So, I mean, he was very pragmatic. There's something that I, I feel like is going to be in a situation where he understands this is what, this is what Tottenham are, are maximising at this season. Let's get us to this point and then move on from next season. We might see a different version of Spurs. We'll see. Okay. Throw pragmatism out the window for a second, right? How did you feel after that game? Give me your level of emotion, negative or positive, after the game. We qualified. We achieved the um, new objective, which was uh, Europa League football. So, so how did you feel at the end of that game? I felt a sense of contentment. The season didn't start well. We got to a stage where we were looking at finishing out of European football completely. We were lacking identity. We were kind of just coasting. And even after getting Mourinho in, we were facing a situation where we weren't playing good football. And then we had a couple of frustrating losses and it just felt like, uh, you know, whatever. And so to have secured to European football, for Kane and Son to have picked up form like they did, to have had uh, Bervine performing the way he did, gave Course for optimism, but we're Tottenham fans, so we've got to be but whoa, whoa. That's the season, though, you're going into. Just that game. Tell me how you felt just at that game. There's a that, that reason game, why I'm That it. game, I felt... Okay, for that game specifically, I felt disappointed. I felt that we the game was there for the taking. Yes, we secured the football, but we, we almost... We got the early goal, and then we kind of took our foot of the gas. It was a great opportunity to show, look, we've got one season. We've got no more games to play. Let's make a real go of it even to get to like exhibition stuff, really play what the kind of football we, we, we can hope for next year, next season, score some goals. We could have, could have experimented. We didn't do any of that. We didn't do any of that. That pragmatism still existed, which was uh, disappointing. I think every Spurs fan echoes that opinion. It was very flat. Had that been an away performance in the Champions League semi-final and all we needed was a draw, you're not worried about it. The fact is, is our last game of the season, it's been such a bad season. Uh, We haven't really played well. We've won a few on the bounce now. Good result against Leicester. You almost expected somewhat of a swashbuckling performance after taking an early lead and knowing Palace were there for the taking. And that didn't happen. And it almost made you, it almost kind of felt like the season in 90 minutes. Uh, so, 
yeah, it kind of just was that flat kind of performance that we came to expect before the restart. And there were various reasons for that, and we'll go into all of those, I'm sure. But that's kind of where it left me. But what I found very interesting at the end was Mourinho was actually celebrating, gathered in his coaching staff and actually celebrated. So they felt like it was an achievement to have qualified for Europe, Europe and the Europa League. So that's an interesting point we're going to get into because... I think it's time to grade the season, right? Uh, this is a very interesting season, as we touched on. It's the introduction of VAR into the Premier League for the first time. And, of course, it's the restart, so the COVID-impacted, affected 1920 Premier League season. So it will go down for all the wrong reasons, um, apart from if you're a Liverpool fan. Uh, so... Let's get into it. Many things went wrong. We did a season review on our first pod, a season review up to the point of, I think it was February. And yeah, many things have happened. We've lost Pochettino. Mourinho came in. We've been hammered. We've had some really bad performances. We've had really bad injuries. Uh, We've had a squad that we've realized is probably worse or not worse, but more in need of a rebuild than we probably first uh, realised initially. We've also had somewhat of a realisation that the Champions League run really papered over a lot more cracks. So, how do we grade this season? Do we grade it in two parts? The pre-COVID, post-COVID, do we grade it Pochettino era, Mourinho era, or do we just say, this is the season, let's not make excuses, what was the objective at the start of the season, what would Levy have wanted at the start of the season, and grade it from that perspective? I think that's what we have to do. I think we have to look at it from the overall perspective, because whilst Poch was a a great servant in the team, and we... I mean, up to now, we don't really know what to fully expect from Mourinho. We don't support Poch FC. We don't support Mourinho FC. We support Tottenham. And so the comings and goings in between, like we wouldn't, we wouldn't change um, how we graded it. Depend on like when we have a top player versus not. So if we made, made for example, we're not gonna, we're not gonna judge it from after Bergwijn signs and see the different teammates and apply it to our season. I think we look at it as a whole and grade it that way. Which is fair. So I think it's probably safe to say the objective for the last four, five years has been to qualify for the Champions League and to win a trophy. Yeah. Is that fair? Yeah. Okay. So on the basis that we didn't qualify for the Champions League and we didn't come close to winning a trophy... (laughs) Where do you think the grade for this year's Tottenham Hotspur performance, season performance 1920, grades? I would say it's a C. A C? Yeah, I said it was a C. Straight C? I think it's a C minus. Okay. So that's what we put out on our Twitter the other day. And for those who follow us on at ShelfPod, we know you do. Um, <laughs> the, the, the backlash that was received actually made me reconsider a C minus grade. Uh, so, if you think this is this is the way, I think we graded C minus based on the fact that we didn't achieve our objectives. We know that. Uh, not only didn't we achieve our objectives, we had some bad performances, but we had some really bad performances. Like we got embarrassed in the Champions League uh, by losing to at home to Bayern Munich after having taken the lead. Then we lost away to Brighton three 0 and totally embarrassed in that game. But I think we also have to consider we got embarrassed by RB Leipzig home and away. We also got knocked out of the uh, Carabao Cup away on penalties to Colchester didn't even score a goal, Uh, got knocked out of the FA Cup, which was a winnable cup, obviously it's not been concluded yet, to Norwich at home on penalties. Uh, 
So we have we didn't make an impact in the cup competitions, which are usually our route for trophies. And we and we don't play good football anymore. So I think given those factors, I think we're probably being generous with a C minus. I would like to move that to a D. I mean, I completely understand where you're coming from. I think it's really important to understand that yeah, people are probably going to try and be optimistic and say, you know, we face challenges, etc. But you're right, you've made the point that we had certain objectives and as a club, you need to do whatever's necessary to meet those objectives. You can't say, oh, well, you know, manager, like, flopped. At the end of the day, as a club, you take that grade. Not not helping the manager refresh in the way he, he needed to, helping him to address certain issues, led to the situation whereby people are underperforming and then it led to a, a seismic change. The only thing that we couldn't really account for, two things we couldn't really account for, the impact of, you could argue VAR, because if, if v, there's no VAR, perhaps Son um, Oreo's goal against Leicester stands and we're, into, we're in the complete opposite places, right? Maybe that happens, maybe yep. it doesn't. Counterfactual history, what's the point? And then the other thing is Corona. But when you think about it, actually, Corona actually did us it a favour. Yeah, us. Yeah, I think that's a fair grade. I think that's a fair grade. We, if we are looking at the season and think it should be any higher, I think we've got the remnants of the old Spursy Tottenham. And we've come to show that we're bigger and better than that. And we shouldn't accept anything less. So I agree. I agree. And you touched on a good point. It's the club that we're grading here. The club, and that includes the board, coaching staff, medical staff, tea ladies, tea men. Kiss well. kit men, grass, right? grass, grass yeah. guys, everyone. everyone yes, yeah, yeah. Groundsman, yeah. If the pitch is not right, groundsman's got to take the blame. Uh, but here's the thing as well, right? You touched on a very good point because obviously we know we had injuries. Under Poch, at least if Kane got injured, we had a recognised striker at the club. Okay, and that is a point we didn't address this season at all. We didn't address it in the summer and we didn't address it in the January transfer window. So I don't believe that was Mourinho's fault because Mourinho actually commented on the signing of Bergwijn saying it's not what we needed, but he understands that the club had tracked this player Fantastic opportunity to get this player at a good price, a young player, progressive player, so he understands why they did it. But it wasn't what he wanted, right? And at this point, Kane is injured. So we didn't address that. And for me, that's a big, big failing. So, yeah, Mourinho... Go on. Go on no, I was thinking, yeah, I do agree with that. It was a massive failing. And, I mean, I don't know, man. It's not really acceptable, is it? I don't think it is. I really don't think it is. We've known all along Kane is susceptible to an injury. Anyone's really susceptible to an injury. To have one recognised striker at the club is, is a club of our side who was who competed on four fronts is not acceptable. Yeah, in January, we probably were already out of the Carabao Cup. We were and then got knocked out of the FA Cup. But still, if you want to make an impact, you need a second striker. It's just straightforward. Yeah. Math, science, footballology. Yeah. So that's a, that's a failing on the club. Um, so we've given the club a D grade. What does Mourinho get from a pure manager's perspective? So that includes obviously tactics, charisma, man management, everything that comes with the role. What does Mourinho get? Oh, that's generous. Can you go back to our first pod, please, Krabna? Yeah, this is how I liked him, mate. But he gets results. This is how I liked him. There's no, there's no doubt that if you base on form and the amount of points he's taken, there, there are only, there's only one instance in which he's failed to take points where we felt like we should have done. And that's against Sheffield and United. Apart from that, he's beaten the, play, the teams that we feel like we should beat. And he's beaten some that we perhaps didn't think we should. And he's given a, quite a fair, a fair account of himself against some of the better teams. So, um, you know, Liverpool is a tough game. And to be honest, we were in there for a very long period of time. Um, and, you know, ended up losing. But he introduced Tanganga. He tried different things. Um, and then, you know, against um, 
Against Chelsea, I felt that we were toothless. Um, it was a pathetic uh, performance, in my opinion. But aside from that, man, in general, he's got results. He's got points, like he'll tell you all day. Um, the results that he's he's achieved in that period of time, especially managing injuries and the interruption to the season. Yeah, that I think my slights on Mourinho are always going to come down to his style of play. But it's been so long without having won anything... And got to a position where we can just be a bit harder to kill off. That I'm all for... We're now in a situation where we need to back him. Maybe he instills a winning mentality that is beyond what we already had. And can provide a platform for another manager to come in long term with a project. Who knows? But I mean, I would say I'm A-. minus. I think he's handled the press fairly well. Fairly well. I think he made some errors with um, a massive error with Ndombele, and I feel like he made massive errors in terms of our style of play at times. But the results kind of counter that. So yeah, I think I have to give him the A minus. Yeah, I'm not going to dig him out for his style of uh, style of play, but I'm going to challenge you on a revised grade, and it's going to be a B plus. And here's my rationale for that. You touched on one, which is the management of Dombele. Uh, and that may, in time, prove to be out of his hands, out of his full control. But I don't believe we should ever let him off because he has been known to be a man-manager, right? And getting the best out of certain players. And we know he's failed to do it with some others. One of those registered, was it 20 assists um, this season? So... Let's not let him off the hook so easily on that point. Also, he was in charge when we exited the FA Cup. Yes, we didn't have Kane. Yes, we didn't have Son. But there are occasions where you're expected to find a way, right? And Troy Parrott came in that game. He came on. And yeah, he didn't have the greatest game. But maybe he should have been blooded earlier. For me, you are Mourinho. We pay you £15 million a year. I'm not expecting you to win the league or even get us fourth without Kane and Son because Kane and Son is probably the equivalent of losing Mane and Salah for Liverpool. And they wouldn't have won the league had they lost Mane and Salah. But at the same time, this is a relegated side who we struggled against all season. Uh, You had enough talent for me to get over the line, at least muster a cup run and get us to the semis and or quarters of semis. He didn't quite do that. So for me, I think he should be a B plus. You know, I, I accept that. And I think, I think even the, the B plus, I, yeah, I'm I, actually, yeah, I'm convinced because I think the B plus, um, for the point that you've mentioned also, I think there's the way he handled certain aspects, um, like Nambele. And when I think about the squad he inherited, the squad he inherited was actually good enough to finish fourth. It just wasn't playing well. So, yeah, no, I, I agree with that. B plus. I co-sign. You convinced me twice now. There you go. <laughs> it's my lucky day. I'm going to play the Euro Millions. Am I too late? No, what day is it? Done, done. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. So, that's Mr. Mourinho. So, give as we're on Mourinho, give me, you said he handled the media well. Give me your favourite Mourinho moment. Um... Favorite Mourinho moment. I don't know if I, I don't even know if I have one, man. I think maybe the look in his eyes when um when he when he caught wind of that of that Arsenal kind of tweet about how this is how we beat Sheffield United. Yeah. I think once he once he he heard that, um, it felt like we weren't gonna lose. <laughs> like after that, he was like, "No, nah, I'm not having it." So yeah, I'm not having it, and he's never lost to you. Arsenal at home, right? Yeah, so there's so that. I've got a few. I've got a few. A few I just want to highlight. Uh, the Newcastle, when we he finally beat a Newcastle, and he obviously he took a video, which I thought was so emotive. It was such an emotional thing, kind of disguised. But deep down, we know the connection he had to Sir Bobby Robson, right? Obviously his first tutor. And so there's massive respect for Sir Bobby and Sir Bobby statues, obviously in the corridor, in the hall 
at St. James's Park. So as he left, I don't know if you saw, he made an Instagram video and said um, something like, finally, boss. Finally, boss. Yeah. And to me, that was him letting his guard down. Maybe this is the new Mourinho, if you like. It, It meant more, a lot more to him than we probably would have realized winning at his the home of his mentor for the first time. These subtle things are obviously what makes us human. And I think we saw the human, the real human side of Mourinho there. Then you had classic Mourinho. You had classic Mourinho with uh, the ball boy. Uh, do you remember oh, the game yeah, with Champions yeah, League? Yeah, 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 yeah. That was, that was, the, top that was the top moment. Yeah, that was just gold. And I think the, the ball boy even got invited to have lunch with uh, the team, didn't he? Uh, yeah, the yeah, they brought, they, yeah, they brought him like, to have lunch with the team, meet like a bunch of the players. Like, it was, yeah, it was nice. It was like selfless of him. It was, it was, just, it was well done, man. It was well done. It was well done. I think and it did a lot to build the notion of us all being like part of one team heading in the same direction. And some people find those things cheesy, but I think that they're effective in building a, a, just a group identity of the club. I think we should always do that. Yeah, I, I 100% agree with that. And I think, I think that was special. That boy will, and his family will live that moment for the rest of their lives. So that, that's just that's class for me. And then you obviously had the Delhi's brother comment, which kind of worked. No, it did, um, it did work until everyone got injured. Everyone forgets that. that people, <laughs> yeah, admit, people say, oh yeah, he had a strong, Delhi had a strong start and then he kind of fell off. Like, he fell off because everyone else was injured or they left. Ericsson left. Um, um, Ericsson left. Son got injured. Kane got injured. And then he had to do everything. He was, he was running around trying to do everything. No one can do that. So. And then, yeah, yeah. No, I agreed. I agreed. And then we had the Mourinho versus um, that guy who used to play for that side from down the road um the one that was drunk and yeah you know the one gambling guy yeah and um he came out with that quote in the press conference and quoted these stats but he actually quoted the appearance line and just (laughs) but did it with full conviction like Didier Drogba scored 70 goals for me in like 50 appearances. He didn't even mention Cristiano Ronaldo, which I thought was interesting. Diego Melito scored like 70 goals. And I'm just like, really? I thought he was actually taking a mick and being really sarcastic, but he actually read the wrong line. But just brilliant, brilliant Mourinho moment. So I think he has added some charisma and we always knew he had this. It's just in a different way to obviously the special one when he came in at Chelsea but yeah good value good value (laughs) (laughs) away from uh, Mourinho uh, give me two two of your highlights from the season just high moments high moments Um, I would say beating Arsenal was a high moment Um, just because you know after they it's always nice to come from behind against your rivals especially when they scored like a screamer and it looked like they were just going to go and dominate. But at the end of the day, we ran out winners. And then I would also say, are we going to do goals of the season? Yeah, we're going to do goal of the season, yeah, or goals, yeah. Well, then um, I, I would also say like beating Burnley because even though we weren't actually that great in that game, it was just nice to see us like put someone to the sword. It was just so nice. Like it felt like so long since we just bagged a bunch of goals. So yeah, th- those are my yeah. two highlights. And I think I know your goal of the season. Um, but no, cool. So my highlights would be. I'm really. I think we're high on Tanganga in this pod, and I certainly am high on Tanganga. So I'm hoping we're going to look back on that Liverpool debut. Ledley again made his debut against Liverpool. So there's some synergies here, man. There's some real synergies, mate. There's some real (laughs) synergies, like. And I'm really feeling like that is going to be a special moment in the club's history, his history, and our history um, as supporters. And are we media now? Are we just fans for the fans? 
um, podcasting. So, <laughs> for the fans. Um, so yeah, that that moment and Bergwijn, Bergwijn's goal against Man City on debut. I just think that was so special. Happened to be at the ground, and yeah, it wasn't the best goal of the season. Definitely up there, but I just think the way he took it. And what it led to was one of our best results of the season. Um, so that was a very special moment for me and, and a highlight. So I should have done lowlights first, but uh, did it second. So give me two of your worst moments um, from the season, please, Kwabna. Losing to Chelsea was a flipping atrocious. That was like it was just a damp scribble game. We like we were just. The home game. Yeah, it was just toothless, man. Gave them nothing. It was like, oh man. No, no, not the home game. When they when they beat us, or our home game. Yeah, our home game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, I just thought it was just like it was so weak, and it's just for Mourinho to lose to Lampard. It just felt like the time of which the Masters should just show the appendix, and we didn't do it. And we didn't ever. We, well, didn't, ever, we didn't ever look like doing it. That's probably what frustrated me. Two points on that. So that's a good actual point. It's one of the things I actually forgot to mention about grading Mourinho down because that was that game and the United game where I felt like he should have done better. Not the most recent United game, the United game at Old Trafford. But we'll go back to the Chelsea game because um, Lampard employed a five at the back, was it, in that game? And he caught kind of Mourinho out in that game. And then the other thing about that game is like you say, we just just didn't show up at all. And had we won that game, we would have leapfrogged Chelsea into fourth spot at that point. That's it. So that, that was very it. pertinent. That is it. So I just, yeah, I don't know. It was a time for us to show that we had some balls and we just didn't. Yeah, and not for the first time in our history, recent history as well. So games like that, I'm hoping is what Mourinho's been brought in for and he didn't actually achieve it then. Maybe it was too soon, but it's to get us over the line and not drawing at Palace, although that got us over the line, but the bigger games, getting us over the line and just getting a result. So, yeah, okay, cool, that's one. And what was your other one? And then my other one were all the moments where I thought Ndombele should have come on and he didn't. <laughs> the, constant, just... the constant disappointment of thinking, right, this is where we make the change. This is where he he flashes like a twenty minute cameo and then changes everything and establishes himself and is constantly getting the opportunity to do so and not doing it. Having five subs and not doing it. It was just like, come on. Oh yeah. And I think what made that worse was the whole nonsense about training in lockdown. Oh, went through <laughs> yeah. all of that, the guy didn't even play. You know what? Don't want to do it. We've spoken enough about it on the pods, but that's it. That's mine. Well, we're going to mention it one more time because, yeah, Dombele, the Dombele saga is definitely a highlight for me. As we've said a million times, we have so much hope for his potential. And not even potential, we think he's ready uh, before we signed him and up until this day. And whatever's going on there is definitely a low light. And then my other low light is the week in which we lose to... Bayern at home, that ex-Woolwich boy scores four and then we go to Brighton and get embarrassed. Lloris almost throws one into his own net and dislocates his arm in the same motion. That was a real low, that, that might low. Actually, Do you know what? To be honest, that might be like, that must be the, that might be the worst few days in football I've experienced for a very long time. A very, very long time. Yeah, that was horrible. Yeah. Horrible. Really, really bad. Really, really bad. Okay, let's get some joy back into our lives. Uh, player of the season. <sighs> this one's so hard, man. Because Son had fits and spurts, but he had two red cards and like behaved like an idiot at times. Um, Kane did what Kane does. Scored goals at the beginning, scored goals at the end, got, middle, got injured in the middle. Um, Dele actually took up a lot of slack in so many different ways throughout the season he was asked to do so many different things and he constantly tried didn't always come off though uh, this is going to be a controversial one right especially because of the amount of games he played but I'm going to go with Bergwijn because Bergwijn whenever he played 
he was quite often a game changer. Like okay. he had put it like for if you took a look at relative to the amount of games he played and the impact he had, he scored against he scored against City, scored against United. Two uh, great goals. Two great goals. Um, he worked almost as hard off the ball as he did on the ball. Um, some people are talking about how the Celso is up here this season, and I think actually Bergheim's arguably made a bigger contribution to our wins. So controversial, but I'm going to go for Bergheim. Yeah, I thought by the time we were going to record this, I would have come up with my play of the season. And like you, it's been a struggle because, yeah, there hasn't been one consistent performer throughout. Um, I, I, I flirted with the idea of Bergwijn, but I'm not as bold as you. And I'm going to go with a boring selection. But I'm going to go with a boring selection only because... I didn't expect Harry Kane to come back from his hamstring injury and be full of running in the last four or five games of the season. I actually thought we were going to see sluggish Kane for nine games. Uh, Maybe I've been burnt too many times, but I think Kane is close to being back to a high level of performance and that bodes so well for next season if he can remain fit and we help him remain fit. So for that reason, I'm giving it to Kane. 18 Premier League goals is no mean feat when you've been injured with a proper injury like he had in a side that doesn't create so many chances. Yet there were other higher goal scorers and people will say Danny Ings, blah, 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 making do with less quality around him. But we didn't have many good performance consistently throughout the season. And I don't think he was ever consistently bad. Say again, and, and he had the games. He had the games to do it. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, he had the games, games to do it. Exactly. So, yeah, that's that's my player of the season. Uh, young player of the season. I think it's unanimous, yeah, right? Tanganga's got to be. He came in, showed great composure. He showed great professionalism. Didn't get too far ahead of himself. Got his head down. Did what the coach asked of him. Performed admirably against the most potent front line um, in the league this season. And he's one of ours, man. So, for me, the, everything, even the way he's handled his contact, contract situation, kept his mouth shut, was like, you know, yeah, people are talking about how he hasn't signed, they've been rumblings and blah, blah. He just kept his mouth shut, got on with things, um, didn't make a fuss. I think he's one for the future. So, yeah, Tanganga, easily. Worst player, controversial. Man, I thought a lot about this because I was thinking about... I mean, I've, a lot of people are going to say Aurier, Um But I think what people forget about Aurier is actually that he... For all the things that he gives up defensively, he actually contributes a lot going forward. For a lot of time, he's our defensive outlet. So I'm actually, I actually would like to hazard a guess that he's probably as responsible for as many goals as he is responsible for leaking them. I'll have the stats. Yeah, I'll have the stats, and I'm sure someone on Twitter is going to correct me. But I, um, I think it's not. I don't think it's that. I don't think there's that much of a difference. So if you think about it, he probably breaks even. And then, <laughs> but what I will say, and this is probably going to be unfair, but I'm going to say Michelle Vaughan because. Of the few times he's come in, people say yes, it is difficult for a, a substitute goalkeeper to come in. But against Norwich, we had a real we had a real chance at winning the FA Cup, especially with Mourinho. And to make that kind of error was just like, just absolutely pathetic and shameful. And that's the one thing that sticks out to me for this season. So I want to say Michelle. Moore. Okay. Yeah, I see what you've done there. It's, it's a bit harsh. He didn't play that many games, but I guess in that one moment, yeah, he did balls up. So he dropped the ball, literally. So fair enough. <sighs> Obviously, I flirted with Borier. I flirted with Davies. And this is controversial because he's loved by the fan base, but I think it's time. And he puts in a shift every single game. I can't doubt that, but... I think the Sissoko experiment is over. So he cannot okay. be. He cannot be the worst player this season. No, do you know why he's the worst player? And he isn't actually the worst player. He isn't actually the worst player. 
but I'm just tired of the lack of ball control and they're in headlights. I'm, I'm tired of it now. And the midfield access doesn't work between him and Winks. It just doesn't work. So maybe I'm making a mistake go of that. Um, actually, no, scrap it. I'm going Aurier. I'm going Aurier. Nah. Aurier nah. gives away corners when he doesn't need to. <laughs> <laughs> Mistakes leading to goals. He, oh played, he played after the death of his brother and respect to him. I give him 10 out of 10 for both performances um, either side of that or directly after that, I should say. But no, it's Aurier. Sissoko, you're reprieved. It's Aurier. Sorry. Sorry. Wow. I- I'm not happy with him breaking even. Trent doesn't break even. So that's the benchmark. No, I said that. I said that. Okay. Yeah. So I guess uh, what about your assist of the season? So my assist, uh, depends which one you choose. Now I've got a hockey assist, and my hockey assist was a toss-up between Lacelso's run against Southampton, where he passed it off to Lamella. He beats five players, passed off to Lamella, and then Son scores, or Deli Ali to Son. Yeah, that was my uh, that was my skill of the season. Well, that was my like. Yeah, that I was thinking about that one as well. So yeah, okay. So I'll go Lacelso, hockey assisted season, takes us from edge of our box to um, final third, and pops it off. So what's your assist or hockey assist of the season? Mine is Delhi, like to fall over, maintain composure, and the flicking presence right of space. mind. Yeah, flicking to right space like that. Yeah, special mate, special. Whilst whilst falling out of touch. Well, exactly, and it's yeah, it's just it's so much going on there, but he does it all. So that's your assist of the season, and also skill of the season. Yeah, I think so. Although there was a nutmeg from the Miller, which was very very rude. Um, <coughs> who did he do it on, man? He did his tip. He did classic like rolling, and then just knocked it through his legs. Who did he do? But you know, not makes you not makes all the time. I'm gonna yeah, I'm gonna stick with Delhi. Delhi is one, yeah. Okay, so let me see if you change your mind. Maybe not. But my skill of the season was also that was a contender, the Delhi flick whilst on the floor against West Ham. But I'm going to go with the audacious touch of no, Delhi. Nah, you can't do that. You can't do that because <laughs> that's that's a goal. You can't do that. No, but it's not a goal. The touch. Before the goal against Man United is the skill where he. I don't. Yeah. I, don't I don't say a man on the podcast who are thinking that they can recreate that. That's what I'm. I'm I'll <laughs> say no more. I will say no more. Is that Matt Olero? Who, who is that? Uh, oh, is it? <laughs> <laughs> Shifting the blame so shamelessly. Um, yeah. Okay. Cool. Now I hear that. I hear that. Um, but that, like I said, like I've alluded to, that was my goal of the season because to do that in that space of time that we've spoken about in this podcast before, I thought absolutely phenomenal and testament to the mercurial nature of some of the skills that he can pull off. And if we can find where we want him to accelerate and to excel as a player for us and we can really find out how to use him, I don't know how we're going to do with the formation we have, but if we can find a way to do that. I mean, the fact that Thomas Muller and Lewandowski were able to play in such a like tandem for so long makes me feel like we should yeah. be able to find a way to do it but who knows but I thought that was I thought that was an amazing piece of skill um, do you have a goal of the season? Yes, it's got to be Son against Burnley just has to be like I, I know it wasn't the greatest bit of skill but it's a goal that you you don't see too often uh, that run to get past so many players and have the composure at the end to tuck it away. So, yeah, that's my goal of the season. Okay, fair enough. Delhi's was yours, right? Delhi Man United. Okay. Strangest moment of the season for you? Strangest moment of the season. We've had a few. Yeah, we have. We have had a few. I mean, I'm also tempted to say every single um, substitution that came on. (laughs) I'm very tempted to say that. Um, I think... I think some of the comments Marina made, like, for example, when when Dembele came on against Bournemouth, it was clearly like a cut above the whole midfield. And him saying that he played... And he played no better than anyone else. And then started to praise Oliver Skip. I was just like... (laughs) 
Like, what's going on here? Like, what's actually happening at Tottenham, Tottenham Hotspur Football Club? What's happening? What's this behaviour? So, um, yeah, I think one of those one of those moments would probably be the, my my strangest moment. Some and some and also, do you know what was actually also very strange? Like the way we set up against Sheffield United, that was very strange. He played with like a front six. And yeah, then, very un Mourinho. And the, yeah, it was completely un Mourinho to first of all get demolished like that by a club that yes are overperforming but are not as good as us in any way shape or form um, having come back from the restart and the setup like that was crazy so I thought that was strange I didn't know if he was trying to send a message by way of needing money for a defensive midfielder. I don't know what he was doing but it was just strange for him to see him do it yeah yeah that was very strange very un Mourinho like so that was strange but i'm going to throw a few at you i'm going to go with the gomez injury that was was strange and horrific uh we also had the dire into the stands um my goodness yeah and we almost had sorry a reincarnation of uh was it David Batty? No, Lee Bowyer, no, Kieran yeah. Dio, and yeah, yeah. Hugo Lloris, and of all people, Human Song, going back to your strange season for Sonny. So those three are definitely going to be Amazon moments. Oh, I, don't even, I don't, even want to, don't even want to think about that documentary. I really don't. Well, that's things to come. That's things to come. So I think there are, there are our awards for the season if you want to call them awards. Uh, VAR's first season, give me three words um, on your feelings of VAR, how it's performed. Frustratingly inconsistent and stupid. (laughs) That's poor, but I'm going to give you that. Yeah, that's it. Um, Yeah, yeah. We all know how that feels, yeah. I've got five. I, I can't summarise it. It's going to sound like I'm an um, illiterate fool if I try and summarise it in three. But um, sucking life out of football. For us. That's, that's, yeah. And a few words on the restart. We were given an opportunity to have another go at making the most of the rest of the season. I would say we took it. The games came thick and fast. We came through without any injuries. We... Didn't play the most scintillating football, but we scored a curiously high number of goals when you relate it back to the type of football we played. Kane managed to perform at a high level. Son got up, got back to a high level. Mora seemed to find a role that will serve him really well moving forward when he comes off the bench and starts. Or starts. Um, so that was good. Um, the restart brought surprises. For yeah, the restart brought surprises in terms of like the look and feel of football, and it gave us an insight into how the leadership of the club. So, Luis, like, was amazing after the restart, and he was also ridiculously vocal. And it was clear to us as fans how much of a leader he is. Yeah, Dyer, for all his shortcomings, played admirably, and he showed great leadership. He showed composure. The majority of the time, apart from the penalty he gave away for Pogba, but in general, he was a nice surprise. So I think the restart was actually quite kind to Tottenham. Yeah, I think so. And how do you feel the Premier League did? I think we need to give them amazing credit for pulling this off and pulling this off without many, if any, hitches, right? That is for sure. Okay. One thing, one thing which is key and it's interesting... The and it's not Premier League and it's not really VAR, but Bournemouth are looking into filing for compensation against Hawkeye um, goal line technology for obviously loss of income from relegation because that decision against Sheffield United, which Hawkeye missed and VAR didn't step in for, um, ultimately cost them uh, their place in the Premier League and with it probably 50 to hundreds of millions if they don't come straight back up. So that's just one point that happened in the restart and it's VAR. So just thought I'd mention it and yeah, take of it what you will or you may. I think it's, I think, I think it's, 
look, it's not going to happen. We've seen numerous times where certain certain rules and and situations have meant that people have come out and said, oh, we got relegated, it's unfair because it's due to this. Carlos Tevez and Mascherano is probably the last one I can remember, but at the end of the day, it's... I don't know, I don't think it's going to change anything. I think it's something that the league should learn from next season. But unfortunately for those guys, I don't think it's going to make any difference or have an impact. Agreed, I don't think it's going to come of it. So we're literally running out of time. So give me your number one transfer target for next season. And the one thing that we need to do to have a successful season next season. I think uh, number one transfer target should be Hoiberg. I think it should be Hoiberg. Um, it feels like I'm actually aiming quite low. But, um, yeah, so I'm going to say Hoiberg. And then... Um, the Do you say the one thing that we... Well, we need to do. Yeah, it's hard, it's hard. The I main thing, the I, main I, thing. The, the main thing we do to do is get our... Is get, the tr- our transfer targets in early. That's what I would say. We've been progressively getting better at that, but we all know Levy likes a deal, etc. We've been progressively getting slightly better than that, but we can't continue to make the same mistakes and play catch-up. I don't think Mourinho will really stand for it, and if that's the case, I think he should put his foot down, but get transfer done early. Okay. Yeah, agreed. Uh, my main transfer target has to be Sancho. From Dortmund. No, I'm joking. I'm crazy joking. guy. <laughs> crazy Havertz. Havertz. From the. No. Yeah, it's got to be DM. It's got to be Hoiberg. If not Hoiberg, then um, Komdogbia. Uh, and the number one priority for me next season is get Dombele playing. That's it. Yeah, you know, that would be a massive game changer. It really would be. Those two things take us to the next level. Yeah, and I, I, I fully, I fully agree with that. I fully agree with that. I think it's not something that needs to be that transformative. But if we can get, a, we can get a defensive midfielder who can cover in the way in which he wants our right back to be covered, and then unleash the number, they like the impact will just be crazy. Definitely, and I'm going to leave it on controversy. Who's the number one player that needs to leave the side? Ah, uh, what needs to leave? That's yeah, hard, we man. just got to get rid of. For whatever reason, you feel like we just need to get rid of. Ah, uh, this is so hard. I'm gonna say I'm actually gonna say Danny Rose. And the reason I want to say Danny Rose, it's is... an easy one. He's he's already out. Yeah, but I don't want Danny no, Rose. Give me somebody else. No, the reason I say him, it's difficult to say him because for me, he's been he's like for people. Yeah, he's, he's gone off the boil, but he's been such a fan favorite, like. So it's hard. Okay, fine. Um, someone that we probably should get out of the club. I would be happy to sell and recruit money from from Sissoko. Oh, and Lamella. Ooh, but I couldn't say he was the worst player. And, and no, choose one. Choose one. Okay, Lamella. Lamella. So I'm gonna sell Lamella. I think this is the highest. <laughs> everyone, this is the most everyone to get for Lamella. If we sell him now, sell Lamella. He he's he's a fan favorite. I get it, but he doesn't actually do that much for us apart from rolling over. He's functional. I get that. He he fulfills like a need when you're rolling the clock down. But he hasn't found a specialist way to make an impact as a, as a sub. And the sub is all he's ever going to be. So, for, for me, sell him, get a quick 25 mil, keep it moving. So, mine is Lamella, so we agree on that point. And just interestingly, if we sell Lamella, Danny Rose is out, we've lost the Tongan. That's a lot of years gone from the club. And everybody who's there has probably served no more than five, six years. Yeah. So that'll be interesting. But I think that's it. I think that's all we got time for, my man. That's it. That's it, man. Well, listen, thank you guys for listening. Um, we appreciate wherever you're listening from. Remember to follow us on Twitter, ShelfPod, for all the rants, raves, insights, and tongue-in-cheek comments to rile you up. Um, I think we should get on to some of the reviews. So we really appreciate if you get some of the reviews in. Five stars only because we only give you five-star content. Um, yeah, but until then, that's it from me. It's good night from me. Let's run the outro. Put it down.
Yeah. 